Thanks to everybody who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Dan Lane, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Tim Edwards, Ilya Coelia, Roland Robertson, Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show from $1 per episode, go to 361podcast.com slash support. I do like his executive hair, although I think it it's more gray. looks a little bit more severe. Have you got gray hair? No. No, mine's, mine's pretty. Not like you, Grandpa. Yeah. Somewhere in an attic, there's a picture of Rafe Blanford getting older. Yeah. But is there a hint there? No. Or not? There's literally nothing. I've been through the most stressful year ever, and I still haven't got grey hair. I want to look distinguished like Ewan. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I spent a long time hoping to get some kind of grey hair, because in my 20s it was quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, sitting in meetings, trying to have people take me seriously. Uh, I'm not sure it was the hair that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. I'm Ewan McLeod. I'm Ben Smith. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is Season 19, Episode 2, and this week we're starting a new format. One question, three answers. Let's get started. Gents, how are you doing? Rocking. Very well, thank you. Rocking, how are you? Good, I'm good, thank you very much. You and McLeod coming to us live from Muscatamarn. Yeah. How's everything in the Middle East? Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it's very nice. It's now going to be slightly cooler. What is it now? It says 31 at the moment, but 38 earlier. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very nice. Lovely. And uh, opening up a little bit, the airport is opening 1st of October. So I think we're all getting a bit more excited. And on the way home, I was in the office today for a bit of work, and then on the way home, I had precisely the same traffic jam that I had in February. So it feels like normal. There we go. That's gone on a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Rafe Blanford, you're coming to us from the London pad this evening. Yes. I am, yes, in London. It's feeling um, a little bit more open. I've been in the office quite a few times now, mm. including a lovely ride on the central mm-hmm. line over to White City. You really must stop spoiling us with all these fantastic anecdotes. Rafe Blanford went on a train. Mm, I know. You need to do something about your plant here, Blanford. It's just it's that one there. I'm just pointing, listeners, there's a plant that's really growing and growing and growing. I mean, the one on your um, left shoulder. It's a newsflash for you. Your plants grow. Yeah, yeah I know, but you, you've got to prune them. How are you, Ben? What's moving? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm still working from home. It's becoming the new normal. I've been up into London twice now for meetings, and uh, it's weird how quickly you get used to not uh, commuting. I don't think I'm looking forward to going back. I miss definitely miss colleagues. Like I, I really miss the social and the... Uh, seeing people and working face-to-face. I miss that bit, but I don't think I'm going to miss sitting on a train for an hour and walking or cycling around London mm. to get there. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that uh, comes back. But I'm sat in Shea Smith in uh, Smith Mission Control now. The, uh, the the back bedroom's been adapted, so I have a desk and no other furniture just to create that sort of ambiance of kind of mm. <laughs> half-empty house that we were going for. Yes. I must buy some furniture for this room now. What about some pictures? Where are the pictures? Well, exactly. I spent a week doing a load of calls with a big pile of uh, boxes behind me where I'd unpacked some computer kit and left all the boxes behind me. So at least I need to tidy up my Zoom background, have something as, uh, as attractive as Rafe's, maybe some foliage. Mm, anyway, gents, mm. just before we kicked off this episode, I just wanted to do a little bit of an advert. So September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month and mm. loads of other podcasters, particularly the team from Relay FM, are doing fundraising to support St. Jude's Research Hospital. It's in the States, but the research and the work they do 
helps people internationally. And I thought that was a really good idea. Agreed. You know, we've no affiliation with the Relay team, apart from the fact that I think several of us are keen listeners to their podcast content and, uh, Mm. you know, really like to support what other podcasters are doing. So what I'm going to say is if you're listening to this and you think you'd like to help eradicate childhood cancer, you can go to stjude.org, that's stjud.org slash relay. That will bring you through to the Relay FM fundraiser, which is a great way to make a donation. And you can use Apple Pay and do it from your phone really conveniently. So nice. please nice. do go and support them. They're running their whole campaign and we've got no affiliation with it. I just think it's a great thing to do. And the other thing is that we will be donating all the Patreon subscriber donations for this episode. will be going to that cause as well. And I'll be donating that after the show just to do our little bit, because I think it's a a fantastic cause. I know the Relay team, some of their family have been affected by that, but I really don't think that there's any way you can think that supporting curing childhood cancer is anything other than a a brilliant idea. And um, yes, whilst whilst they are based in the States, the work they do and the support they give is global. So that is a fantastic cause and a great way to support it. So please do that, stjude.org slash Relay. If you haven't had a chance to write that down, you can also go to 361podcast.com and that link will be in the show notes. There we go. Right, gentlemen, one more thing. Oh, gosh, while I'm doing promos, at the very different end of the scale, Mm. I spotted a really good deal and I think it's worth mentioning. So in previous episodes, we have talked about how I have a hosted Mac Mini in a data center in uh, Las Vegas. And I did that because yes. I wanted a Mac somewhere safe with always-on data and high-speed internet connection, and I use it for backups, so I back up to it. But I also means I've always got something that's got a full downloaded copy of my photo library, because we remember we talked about in our photo episodes mm. all of those things about yes. I didn't want to have my photos only with Apple, because I was worried that something might go wrong. But also, I wanted to be able to access them anytime I wanted them on a device I owned. and. There are some backup solutions and things, but the quickest and easiest way to do that for me was just to basically put Apple Photos on a Mac, set it to download all my images, and bingo. So now I've got a backup, not just of my photos, but also the software I need to access them and get the metadata and all that other stuff. Mm. Okay, grand, fantastic. So far, so good. But what I wanted to alert you to is hosting a Mac can be a little bit pricey. I think the lowest tariff that Mac Stadium, who I use, have is $79 US dollars a month mm. for the low-end Mac, although that low-end Mac is perfect for backup tasks, arguably over-specced for that. Mm. They're doing a half-off forever promotion. So at the moment, if you sign up by the 18th of September, and if you use the code HOF promo, HOF promo, and we get no kickback here at all, there's no, there's no affiliate mm. between us and the show, you'll get half off every bill forever. So anything you sign up now, it'll be half price forever. And I thought that was a really great deal because that means Mm. that you can get a low-spec Mac Mini to do backups and things for $39.50 a month, which is a great deal. $39.50? US dollars, yep. Okay, which is 39.5 USD in GBP. They're in Las Vegas and Atlanta. It's 30 pounds. Exactly. Sorry. They've also got a hosting location in Dublin. Mm. I think that's going to be 39.50 euros, which is a little bit more expensive, but nevertheless, that's great for those of us based this way. And for, I think it's $10, so with half off forever, $5 a month, you can also add a terabyte external drive as well. So if the machine itself won't have enough storage, you can add external storage to those devices. I've actually Mm. already got one and I was already enjoying that kind of discount from a previous promo they did. I've had it running for years now. Last night, I just upgraded it to Casalina, did a headless update. Works really reliably. It's brilliant. I just use 
remote desktop. I use Screens is my favorite remote desktop app. Just go into okay. there and I have it backing up everything. So I have it backing up a copy of the important files out of my Dropbox. I have it running iPhoto all the time. And if you remember from a previous episode, I talked about that tool called Granny Smith. Yeah. It's basically, it's a tool that will pull out all of the shared photo libraries you have on Apple Photos, and it will pull out the photos. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Yes, yes, really smart. Yes. But also, importantly, all the metadata and all the conversation that goes on, because obviously in Apple Photos, you can comment and Mm. like on photos. It will recover all of those. I've just installed that on there, and I'm in the middle of backing up about 150 gigabytes of shared family albums to my external disk. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And this is great because the one bit of my photo backup solution I didn't have a good answer to was the shared photo libraries because they aren't downloaded by default in the same way as Apple Photos. Yeah, I've finally got a backup solution that I'm comfortable with. And of course, if like me, you live in the future and you use an iPad a lot of the time, if you're ever using an iPad and you find yourself needing that Mac app, bingo, remote desktop, I've got a Mac always available to me. Well. It's not a small expense, but um, if you're already spending money on cloud backups and those sorts of things, the numbers are comparable. So I just thought you might like to know. So that's macstadium.com. And when you get to the uh, checkout process, use the code HOFFPROMO, H-O-F-P-R-O-M-O, and you should get half off forever. There we go. See, no, I I did this. When you mentioned it like years ago, whatever it was, I did this. I went and got one. And then I got hacked. And that really, really, really bothered. The reason I know I got hacked is because someone started sending packages via my Amazon account. So sending stuff from Amazon to someone addressed in Canada. Nice. I presume they scanned the Mac because I'd set it up as a remote Mac, just like you've done, right? Yeah. And I thought I had all the security on it. I thought I had everything, all the firewall, everything. And I clearly did not. So this person has just logged in. They just logged in and yeah, I think they went to Amazon.com on my Mac. And of course it was logged in as me and they just started sending stuff. Yeah. So now, that bothered me a lot. It really, really, really upset me because, you know, that was quite a data leakage potential. I went through all the logs to see what had happened. And I was satisfied that actually a lot of my data was, the, the individual just, just went straight to a web browser, brought up Amazon, started ordering stuff. So that was good. Yeah. And I could trace everything else they'd done. That was all they did. But so any advice on that? I mean, what have you done about this? I don't think it was Max Stadium. I think it was another vendor, by the way. Yeah. So it's not without risks. This short version of the answer to that is Mac Stadium have a bunch of really good articles that tell you how to set your machine up to be appropriate for this. So, you know, what services to turn off, what services to turn on, how to set it up. I choose only to use the services over SSH, which is uh, obviously an encrypted Mm. connection. It's slightly slower, but that limits the opportunities for people to break in using um, certificates rather than passwords and things. And if that sounds a bit intimidating, don't worry. They've got great help articles to walk you through that process including, you know, turning all that stuff off. So is there still some risk? Yes, but I think for me, it feels comparable to putting any of my personal data in the cloud in as much as I feel that I've taken the advice on how to secure that device appropriately. If you really want something to take it up a level sort of beyond personal data backup to, you know, kind of enterprise or business kind of stuff, they'll also give you a hardware firewall. You can buy a Cisco hardware firewall if yeah, you like I saw it. Yeah, $75 a month, you can, yeah. It starts to get enterprise priced, and I don't think it's good value for home use or, you know, yeah, sort of prosumer yeah. use. But um, yeah, I think that's an option. But yes, go in with your eyes open. I certainly wouldn't advocate signing up until you've done your homework, but you've got a couple of days. And I think if you were already thinking mm. about doing mm. it, or if you already wanted a remote desktop solution, particularly a Mac, and you, you understand what that means, 
then go for it. And I'd have to say the other thing is I personally don't use the web browser on my machine. I don't connect in remotely to use the web browser for that, so I wouldn't leave it logged in with any of those accounts. But it does have all my photos and things, so there is still personal data I care about there. The, you know, you can't minimize the risk down to zero. Okay. I have to say, I've run my account there for four years, and you know, with the caveat that you never know if you've been hacked unless you find out. Mm. I haven't had any problems. Yeah. So, eyes open, but yeah. I think I should look very strongly at that. Read and follow the manual, mm. and uh, that's a good starting point. Mm. Okay, we should move on then. Right, this is the first of our brand new format, one question, three answers. And we are lucky to have a really good question to start off with. So, Are we meant to know these questions in advance? Well, we do in this case because we were talking about it before the show. Right. We went out on Twitter and we asked for people to submit their questions and we got a bunch, thank you, emailed in. We've still got some spaces, I think, probably towards the back end of the season for some questions. So if you haven't yet, if you've got a burning question you'd like us to answer, at 361podcast on Twitter or 361podcast.com and you can email or send a comment in however you'd like to do it. But at Monkey and Weasel on Twitter was one of the first people who came back to us and they said they had a question that they wanted us to answer. We'll come to it in a second. But what we did was how we'll always run this format is the rules are very simple. We're going to answer one question in the duration of the show. We draw lots to see who gets to choose their answers first, second and third. And then we each have to give an answer. And the only rule is that you can't give the same answer as the person previous. So on some occasions, we're going to have to give answers that are not our first answer. Right. The idea here is that in most cases, there's no right or wrong. There's just lots of different viewpoints, lots of different things that will be... Debate. Relevant. It will depend who you are and what you value as to what's right for you. Okay. And we've got a cracker to start with. So we're going to kick off. And the first question was, will Fortnite, and I think he means Epic, the game's company, mm-hmm. win against Apple? And what will be the impact? So we drew lots for this off camera, no, off air. And you, McLeod, you are going to go first. And Mm. what we're going to do is you're going to get just a couple of minutes to tell us your opinion. (sighs) Keep your opinions to yourself, Blanford, at the moment. Not that it's ever stopped you before, yeah. (laughs) A couple of minutes to tell us your opinion. And then, more importantly, Rafe and I get to challenge you, get to ask you questions, get to challenge you. And then... We'll do a few minutes, and then it'll be uh, my turn, and then Rafe Blanford, you came up third. So Fix. Yes, you came up third. And so then you get to listen to all the answers, and uh, then you could decide that I was right all along, and you can go to 361podcast.com and say Ben was right. So I've got to argue why... You get to choose what you want, you and Apple you go first. is yeah. right. So you got first, so you get to choose your argument, but what you've got now... Let me just find the clock. We're going to have a clock. This is so exciting. Oh. So... Okay. You're McLeod. So I can choose. Yep. What's the best? I hope you go with the uh, the arguments that we agreed in advance because, <laughs> because I don't have time to remake my argument. I was just wondering, listeners, how he'd react because I presume both of them have been sitting making copious notes on this. I know that Blanford... Look, don't shake your head at me, Blanford. Oh, yeah. I reckon because he knows a lot of his co-workers are listening, so he's under a lot of pressure to try and make sensible chief product officer you know, observations. I, on the other hand... Whereas I'm under no pressure because no one values our opinion. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not chief product officer at a very famous digital agency. Okay, right. So I, I'll do as we discussed then. Fine. I was just going to see how they reacted. All right. Let's kick off. And for context... Yes. 
Fortnite is a game by games manufacturer Epic. They are currently in dispute with Apple over their inclusion of a payment mechanism that wasn't Apple's in their most popular game. That's in contravention of Apple's rules and after some legal arguments, they've now been banned and their game has been removed from the Apple store. Yes. So, Ewan, mm. as Monkey and Weasel asks us, will Fortnite win against Apple and what will be the impact? Go. So, Monkey and Weasel, thank you very much. Let me start by saying I don't think they will win specifically. I think they've got some very good points, but I think the $2 trillion gorilla is going to have a degree of influence here. Now, I think there's a few issues, first of all, with Fortnite and well, with Epic and what they did. It did look a little bit prepackaged. And if you remember, I am arguing for Apple here, just for clarity, right? It looked rather prepackaged. You know, they made their announcement, made their press release, and bang, up come all the videos, up comes all the material. It looked like they planned this. And I think they did get phenomenal amounts of press. It certainly got a lot of attention. It's put Apple, the $2 trillion gorilla, you know, on the back foot, I think, because it's very, very important what Apple does next, because I think they have clearly a lot more to lose, because I think it's fair to say there is a point in the message with what Epic and the team there are asserting, you know, that there's perhaps an unfair dominance aspect here. However, this is an American company based in America, right? And we know the American story here. So I think that is very, very powerful here, right? They have spent a considerable amount of money to get to where they are. And you may say, well, hold on a minute, Monopoly. So there's a fair challenge there uh, to an extent. But let's just take a step back here, right? Fortnite are saying, look, Okay, sorry, I shouldn't put words in their mouth, but the, the, the viewpoint is the Apple tax, the App Store fee, is unfair. Now, let's just, as I say, take a step back and think about that. The billions, billions that Apple has to pay to maintain, maintain this ecosystem, which everybody else makes money from. Everybody else, you know, depends on. Like the amount of products and services that we have talked about for the longest time depend on Apple. They depend on the App Store. They depend on the App Store being live. They depend on the billing mechanism to just work in how many countries, okay? This is not simple. This is not easy. This takes a heck of a lot of infrastructure and cash, bluntly, right? Just think about the data center bill for the App Store. You may argue, well, hold on a minute. There's a very big gross margin on iPhone. Yes, there is. You can go and buy another one if you wish. But the point is, in order to sustain this ecosystem, there is cost. There is cost somewhere, right? And there is a challenge here because that money they make, and yes, it's a lot of cash they can make from an iPhone sale. That is finite. But my expectation on the App Store is ongoing. My expectation, the knowledge that we all have of the amount of quality that goes into maintaining the App Store in terms of the App Store review process. I like the fact that you know, I depend on it. I go beyond depend. I require that when my children are using this, or even when I'm downloading something from the App Store, I require that someone serious, they've gone through quite a lot of rigor here to get that app. The security, the the whole confidence that I get from this is really, really important. It costs a lot of money. It costs Apple a lot of money to maintain this. So I think it's, it's some would say rich for Epic and others to say, how dare you? How dare you? Because they had to invest in the first place. 
there may be a point about ongoing. I think we could look at this. I think there could be some flexibility here. And I think that's potentially what we'll see ongoing. But we've got to remember, this needs to be sustainable. It needs to be delivered continuously at a five nines, super high quality. That costs a lot of money. Okay, so <laughs> that was Ewan's opening argument. How was that? How was that? How was that? Was that? Give me some feedback. I was watching the Zoom stream here because obviously we get to see each other as we're recording. And I noticed yeah. Rafe Blanford did the biggest yawn I've ever seen a man do about uh, three minutes into that. So thanks for that. Take that as feedback from your friend and colleague. Thanks for that. So essentially, Ewan, yeah. your argument is that... Position. Yeah. So your, your position is that Apple will win. And by win, what you mean is that Apple will be able to sustain the rules that they've got today, keep everything as it is, because despite what Epic are complaining about, the rules are fair and the costs that they're being asked to pay are fair as well. If I can qualify that, wait a minute, I don't think you'll see exactly the same. I think there will be movement. I think Epic have done a favour to others, right? I think others are helping out. Yeah, WordPress, for example, and so on. Yeah, I think there needs to be some flexibility here. And I think we'll see movement from Apple in that regard. But also, I'd love to see this. I'm sure um, Apple and, and Epic probably don't really want to see this in court. But in court, you know, show me. What's the cost of maintaining this ecosystem? It will be a lot of money. Okay, It will be a lot of effort to do this. So your contention, though, is that Apple will maintain control over the rule set that it applies to the App Store, even if it does choose to make some exceptions. And we kind of had this WordPress's one. There have been some things from publishers. One thing I just want to call you on slightly, though, is talk about the massive cost. Why is it remain static at 30%? Because that suggests that there's a, a linear relationship on the scaling, which seems incredibly unlikely because it would be the only digital service I can think of that has that kind of linear relationship. So, you know, if you're saying that it's costing lots of money to Apple, that's fine. But does mm. that make it fair to make it a constant 30%? Same point. Look, let's assume the costs are 5%, 2%, 3%, 20%. We don't quite know. It'd be useful to try and understand that. And there have been quite a lot of reports around this. But the key here is we do want this company to make a profit as well. Okay, no, no actually, they do make quite a lot of money here. I'm not staying awake worrying about whether or not Apple makes a profit. Yes, but you're not staying awake worrying about what your son is downloading on the App Store. Just yesterday, I'm a big fan of documents from Redl, the mobile app developer. And I thought- Are they the same as Redl? A riddle, a riddle, riddle, riddle. Thank you for that. It's just good to know. No, but I've, I've got a really good point, okay? Because I use Spark on Android. I use it on my iOS. I use documents all the time on uh, my iEverything, okay? I then I go on to uh, Google, the Android Play Store. Just last night, I thought, is documents available? And I almost, almost downloaded the wrong app. It isn't available on Android, documents, okay? It's a phenomenal on, I, on iOS. I use it all the time. But it's not available. But I tell you what, there is on the Google Play Store hundreds of documents by Reddle guide. Documents by Reddle, download this so we can put some spam stuff on your phone. That is really, really bad. That's your choice. Okay. That's your choice. So I actually am much, much happier having someone, yes, there is a degree of fairness we need to talk about here, right? I think we can moderate that. I think we'll get to some agreements here. I think it's a good discussion that the industry should be taking, Apple should be facing up to. But let's not forget what we enjoy here. Okay, because I cannot tolerate my children using that Google Play store at the minute because they're going to download the wrong stuff that's not been reviewed properly and it's just absolute nonsense, complete dross. So if you search for documents by Reddle on the Google Play store, you get tons of nonsense, absolute nonsense. So I was almost tricked, 
tricked. Tricked. Now, I know it's frustrating for Epic and others here. I know it's frustrating. And I think that's why we need to take this conversation. There can be a, perhaps I think a more sensible way here, but let's not pretend we don't get value from it as a consumer. You're all into Apple. And one of the major reasons, Ben, is because of all of these points that they can invest in because they've got this cash. Now, let's go for a bit more fairness in terms of how they operate. I think that would be sensible. I'm curious to hear you say a bit more about the line between what Apple charge and the App Store, because the App Store is something that's very good at selling iPhones. You know, you're right, it sells iPhones to me. I value the App Store, and it is one of the reasons I buy iPhones. I think you know, it is for you as well, particularly it's why you buy iDevices for your kids. Mm. But what's the link between the things that Epic are complaining about, the control they exert and the t- yes. fees that they charge, and the fact that the App Store is a feature of iPhones and iPads? Surely it's the other way around, isn't it? Apple should be delighted that people put their apps into the store because yes this is the other angle yeah if enough big apps vanished so if you lost i don't know facebook and google and fortnite and microsoft and 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 people would stop buying iphones wouldn't they it's back to this you remember back when you and i used to write on your site and we had that Mm. big debate around net neutrality yes we said oh you know the cable providers in america are trying to charge google for distributing YouTube as if like they're doing Google a favor mm-hmm. by letting those ones and noughts flow over their network. And I always said YouTube should just block those cable providers and see how quickly consumers abandon you know, one of those providers if they can't get their favorite websites over it. It's backwards. Mm-hmm. I can come back at you here. I, I think there are some points in what you're saying, you know, and that, that's why I think we do need to have a conversation. I think it's great that we're having this conversation. I don't know if Epic needed to you know, go to, I think they pushed Apple too far. I think Apple removing them from the App Store is, let me put it in political speak, it's not ideal because that's serious business now. Serious because it could be seen as restraint of trade here, right? I'm, I'm using very political words and phrases here, right? Uh, it's potentially a damaging situation, he says, for uh, Epic. But I'm trying to look at it. How does Apple deal with it? Because I think your contention, I think they're a product company, they're a device company first that's adding services on. So I think this is a laggard. I think they are now being forced, and I think it's probably helpful to look, to reassess this model. And look, I've got another point I don't agree with here in the context of Apple. I saw what they were doing with um, WordPress. They were actually forcing WordPress or threatening to force WordPress into, allegedly, put the Apple billing mechanism on their app. I I didn't think that was too helpful. But isn't one of the challenges here that people are upset about is the fact that Apple was behaving in a way that was potentially a bit aggressive and they said they would move the Unreal Engine, which is related to what Epic do, and that would break a whole bunch of other games and things like that. Obviously, Apple can use their position to do things, but ultimately, you know, you're probably right, Apple will win because they are in control. But that makes me wonder what Ben's argument is. Well, I was going to say, that's Ewan's time up. Thank you, Ewan. Exactly, yeah. End of time. Spotlights change. Are you going to read from your prepared remarks here? I was trying to work out if I was going to summarise your comments, but I'm not going to do that for you. (laughs) Trying to make your comments sound sane, so... The valid, relevant comments. Maybe. Will Fortnite win against Apple, and what will be the impact? Well, I think, first of all, I want to say that I think this does matter. There's a temptation to kind of dismiss this as a kind of a battle between a billion dollar company and a trillion dollar company and you know who cares about either of them and also i know there are people who listen to this who aren't kind of following the blow by blow because they don't care or they're not interested in the soap opera mm. and they might be tempted to say 
it doesn't really matter to us, but I think it does, because I think it speaks to how the devices that we use in the future, be they Apple or Google or any other ecosystem that comes after, how we expect them to behave. Because I think that this is the thread that they're going to pull and it's going to unravel and unravel and unravel. This isn't going back in the box. And so my view actually is that I don't know if Epic will win, but I think Apple will lose. And I think more importantly, I think Apple should lose this argument because they are wrong. And I think it's important also to say that Epic doesn't have to be right for Apple to be wrong. And what I mean there is that if you look at what Epic have done in terms of deliberately breaking the App Store rules and putting, as Rafe alluded to, other developers at risk because Epic both make a game that you can download and enjoy, but they also make the technology that underpins a load of other Mm. people's games. It's only a court injunction that has stopped the technology portion being pulled out of the App Store as well. So everyone else's games still work right now using the Unreal Engine, whereas Epic's game has actually been removed. So it's entirely okay to think Epic have done a bad job at this, but it doesn't mean Apple's right. Because I think that if you look at all the conversation and if you look at the discussion that Apple engages with, it's all about the 30%. That is the charge that Apple makes when you buy something through their app store. It's 30%, 30%. And they're quite content with the idea that we should all be fixated on how much we pay. And there's a little bit of chum in the water there because they've given some classes of app a discount. So apps that allow you to sort of re-consume content after the first year, they get a discounted rate of 15%. And so that's where their movement is. And that's where they're content to have the conversation because Mm. it's about value for money. And I'm afraid you and I think that your argument, whilst there are some things in it that I think are correct, I wouldn't disagree with, I think it takes the bait of talking about value for money. You know, they should have this much money because it costs them this much to maintain the platform or something like that. I think the problem is Apple's anti-competitive behavior. And what I mean there is that when you are judge and jury of a set of rules that govern effectively, Apple and Google between them have a monopoly on smartphones. And I I realize there's some, you know, there's some technical economics type language that I'm going to abuse here. But you can't really choose to not have in the Western world, an Apple or a Google powered smartphone, it's incredibly difficult to do. It's certainly not a mainstream thing to do. And so those two companies, and particularly Apple, actually are judge and jury about what's acceptable. And the problem is that if Apple had a set of rules, and those rules were fair to everybody in the market, that would be okay. But too frequently, Apple use those rules to skew the market to their advantage. So effectively, you think about all the developers whose apps suddenly stopped getting updated. And then a few months later, oh, actually, Apple's released an app that does this now. You're not allowed to compete with Apple on its platform anymore. Or what about where Apple said, in response to Hey, the email app that we talked about some months ago, where they drew attention to the fact that Apple wanted to force them to have an app that did things before you logged in. They wanted to make an email app and they only wanted that email app to do something useful after you'd logged into your Hey account. And on that basis, the app didn't do anything useful to you logged in. And Apple said, no, that's not compliant with our standards, even though loads of other apps do it, including other apps from the same publisher. You need to change your app. And the point is, at the end of that argument, Apple said, oh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce an appeals process. We're going to have, you know, kind of, if you think you've been ruled unfavorably and you think the rules are wrong, we're going to give you a chance to dispute them. 
but they are judge and jury. And the point is, it's not, and it shouldn't ever be, about 30%. It should be around, are Apple operating a fair marketplace where they give everybody equal access to it? Because they cannot and should not be anti-competitive, and they've stepped over the line. And some of the things that were okay when it was a small emerging marketplace and when they were not a dominant player, when the app store was early on and they didn't exert control over the whole app ecosystem, are no longer okay. And I think the problem here is that Apple doesn't understand that in order to sustain the app store, it needs to be self-restrained because otherwise a regulator is going to come in and they're going to say to Apple, you can't decide what makes the rules. The regulator is going to start to impose how they can operate in this marketplace. And they're going to deeply regret that, much like Microsoft did mm. you know, sort of in the 90s when antitrust regulators found that Microsoft bundling uh, web browsers was anti-competitive. Mm. Anyways, I have lots more to say on that, but I'll, uh, I'll pause for questions. So I think my question would be, Ben, is when do you think that is actually going to happen? Because there isn't seemingly anything on either side to kind of force that particular mechanism. And so referring back to the question, will Fortnite win against Apple? How do they force that kind of consideration of anti-competitive behavior? I think probably the way that they win is that they lose the battle, but they win the war, which is that at the moment they have deliberately broken the rules. And so Ewan's argument stands, you know, you broke the rules, you got to pay the money, like it's in the contract you signed. But crucially, there's a Justice Department investigation going on in the States and EU regulators are also looking at this with a view to, are those rules fair? And I think Epic is the straw that breaks the camel's back. I think that causes such a large amount of visibility, the bad chilling effect of Apple's anti-competitive behavior in terms of the way that they run their app stores becomes a subject of public conversation like we are now. It becomes a mainstream newspaper topic and then that triggers politicians and regulators to step in. And trust me, like whilst I think Apple are bad, I think what regulators will probably do to this very fragile emerging ecosystem will be worse. I hope they don't. I hope Apple checks themselves and corrects. But right now, Apple's behavior is anti-competitive. They are wrong. And Epic will ultimately win the argument, I think, by forcing change. Okay. Thank you for your contributions. <laughs> I love the silence where no one was going to need to say <laughs> No, well, I, I left silence there because I was busy thinking and I wanted to leave a bit of silence to then say, okay, and then thank you. Because I, I, I think you, you make some, some valid points. <laughs> no, no, no. I can see the merit in your arguments. I do think we collectively need to see a move from Apple. I don't want to downplay how complicated delivering an app store of this scale is. So there is a cost. Blanford's point's fair. But yeah, is it a continual cost yeah, ongoing? I don't think we should be talking about cost at all. The cost is a problem. Like the cost is not good value for money if you look at you know, the cost relative to what they're doing, what it costs in other marketplaces. Apple defend this by talking about what it used to cost to sell software in brick and mortar retail locations. And that's yes. disingenuous because they know that places like what was the place that we bought apps from on our Symbian devices, Rafe? Um, Ovistore. Ovistore. And I was thinking that there were some third-party app stores as well back before Apple had them. Handango. Yeah. There you go. That's the one I was thinking of. But, you know, they weren't taking 30% as far as I recall. You know, that was a huge amount. But set that aside because that's a value for money versus access to a market thing. 
My problem here, I think, is that Apple is using the fact it's the owner of the store and is the sole decider about what goes into the store and what is acceptable today and what is acceptable tomorrow in an anti-competitive way, because it means that they're a participant in that market as well. And I almost think that one of the best things they could do would be before a regulator comes along and says, no, you can't be both. Mm. You know, you're either in the store or you're out, would be that they go back to square one and think what's best for users. Because the Apple of old, and actually other bits of Apple still, was very good at saying, we've gone back to first principles. You know, we're taking our view on what's best for the user and we'll do the right thing. You look at their green initiatives or you look at their recycling. Privacy. You look at their privacy. They leave money on the table because it's the right thing to do. Sure, that's marketing and that builds their brand. But people like you and me buy into that and are lifetime subscribers to their hardware because of that decision. And pay more money over the table for that, by the way. And that's fine. But they need some people inside their business saying, stop, this is not best for the users. You know, like any money that they make through this anti-competitive behavior will be nothing if the business is taken away from them or interfered with by regulators. And I mean, Microsoft went down a hole for 20 years after the antitrust uh, regulator thing. It's an impressive business doing good stuff now, but it was not for many, many years because it just didn't know how to deal with this stuff. It went off and did other stuff. Sorry, Rafe, I cut across you. Well, I can't disagree with that argument, although I do feel there's a little bit of having your cake and eating it here. You're about to. (laughs) Because all of the characteristics you described are because Apple does hold the reins in terms of the security and the safety. And I think where we'll probably agree is it's the implementation of those rules and basically having a user-centric approach rather than an Apple-centric approach. But actually, users don't always know what's good for them in the sense they would probably set some of that sandbox, whether that's on pricing or what's allowed into the App Store, to be somewhat more permissive than is actually a good idea for them. And that trade-off is really delicate here. But when you're judge and jury, you have to ask yourself, whose interest am I acting in? Indeed. And I think the point is that contradiction of both being the shopkeeper and the decider of how the whole market works in nearly every other marketplace, those roles split apart to keep it fair for the participants. And because this is a new novel market, you have to trust that they're acting in good faith. And that's the whole root of my argument is that in the early days, they did because it suited them. And now they've stopped acting in good faith. So that's fair. But as a user, I don't really care whether Apple's getting a cut or whether it's going to Epic. They're both making enormous sums of money off me because this is a kind of. Um, additional good so the incremental cost or the marginal cost is pretty small on something like this and so why should apple have it or why should epic have it doesn't really bother me i'd rather have that 30 percent off altogether so i get it for less again it's not about the 30 percent. it's about the lack of innovation it's about the people who won't use the app store it's about developers who won't build apps it's about people who could do public good but epic is clearly going to do it Anyway, they're not going to flush this away. So I think in answering the question, I don't see how Epic can win through that process. There we go. Okay, well, I've had my time. So Rafe Blanford, you are third up. Now, I'm interested because you took the easy one of Apple is brilliant. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I took the grown up, Mm -hmm. mature argument about, you know, Apple needs to do better. So Rafe Blanford's going to give us 12 minutes on Ivy Store. (laughs) Well, I'm flashing back to the question and it was... Will Fortnite win against Apple? That feels like there's a 
fairly binary response to that of yes or no. And the third person has like really drawn the short straw on this particular question. Oh, it's fine. I can talk about regulation. And then Ben started talking about anti-competitive behavior. So I'm going to try and find a third way as we go through this in that I don't agree with Ewan because I don't think Apple can maintain its position. I think Ben articulated that quite well as to why around anti-competitive behavior and regulation. But I think we need to introduce a nuance here because it's not about one thing or the other in the App Store. And we've been talking mainly around pricing. So my contention would be, I think Fortnite may eventually win, as Ben has said, but actually I don't think Fortnite will win because I don't think the regulation will necessarily be in their favor. And that's the way I'm going to find a third answer to this. Mm. So let me explain that in a bit more detail. But before I do, I just want to point out that this is a broader issue than just the kind of pricing thing we're talking about. This has been around for, frankly, as long as the App Store has. And one of the things that was talked about 10 years ago... This is Obi Store. Well, I wasn't thinking of Obi Store, but yes, you're quite right. Is the preferential placement. So when something is an app of the day, that can be a distortion of the competitive field. And that can be, for many reasons, are you Apple's favorite developer? Do you have policies that are more in line? Have you used the mm. latest API or things like that? And arguably yes. that itself can be anti-competitive behavior, the curation of the app store. And then people have also complained about the lack of transparency around ranking and things like that. So there are a number of elements. There are also plenty of rules on the iPhone that don't make a lot of sense. And, you know, until relatively recently, things like default apps came up a lot or whether you're allowed to put a new browser engine onto the iPhone, because what most people probably don't realize is the third-party browsers are actually running the Safari core rather than Chrome or anything else. So there's a lot of this behavior. And so I think from a regulation point of view, it's very complex. But I do agree that I think the chances are that because these are becoming so fundamental, and we are talking about hundreds of billions of pounds and something that you know 80% of the population in a lot of markets are using, And there are two players, you know, most competitive authorities like there to be three players in a market because that's seen as uh, more competitive for various reasons. The Samsung, the Samsung store, the Huawei store. But actually, the thing for me is you have to look when we're looking at the cost in particular, there are different types of players in the app store. And there are those like Epic, they have low marginal costs. Basically, the cost of providing their app as an incremental thing to a new user is very low. But you compare that against someone like Spotify or Netflix, they have third-party costs, they have licensing costs. And so it really is a problem for them, which is why most of the time they look for ways around it. And Amazon and Kindle is a famous example. Remember a few years back, this came up with Kobo, and it was known that their contracts with the authors specified that 70% of any revenue, and that was net revenue, had to go to the authors. So the other 30% went to Apple and Google, which left them no room to make money. And I think that is the more serious competitive or anti-competitive thing that the regulators will try and address because they will look to balance things by looking at how the economics of it work. And I suspect they will also look at things like preferential treatment, and that can take many forms. I kind of alluded to some of those earlier. So I think probably movement around that is more likely. And we've kind of already seen this behavior from the regulatory authorities around publishers, particularly in the ebook space, but also in newspapers and with things like Google News. And I wonder whether Apple News and others will come under fire because of that. Also, those are the players that have (laughs) 
frankly, a lot of lawyers and have a bit of a track record of going after these things in terms of anti-competitive behaviour. I think you can also look at the behaviour around subscriptions in particular, because they have a whole bunch of additional regulations around them. In, in the EU, for example, you have to have things around cancellation after a year. And some of the stuff with Apple maybe doesn't 100% meet that. So they're going to have to look at that. Most of the time, by the way, Apple push that to their developers. As I say, you've got to provide compliance. It's not up to us to do that. But I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. Also, they do blocking of certain types of content. And I'm not suggesting everyone listening to this wants to see page three content in their Sun app. But there are various examples where Apple has blocked some of it. And I think the big contention here that you're starting to see is Apple is behaving increasingly like a policymaker. That's arguably not their place to do so. And we've seen it also with the COVID tracing apps where the way they want to do things has kind of set government policy or set economic policy. So I wonder if the answer here is I don't think Apple will win because I think they will be forced into change. But I don't think Epic will win either because they will be identified as one of the ones that, particularly because of this marginal cost point, they won't benefit particularly from any of the regulatory changes that I expect to happen in the next few years. And even that timeline seems optimistic, but I do agree with Ben that something will give just because of the dominant position that Google and Apple are taking on, particularly in the US and the European markets. And I think we'll probably see it just as with GPR in the European markets first. And I expect the EU, who have been considering and have recently opened an investigation into the App Store, probably to be the first movers here. And then they will be back and forth as Apple tries to get around things and everything else. So it's going to be interesting to watch. But back to the question, neither of them are going to win. All right. <laughs> interesting. I enjoy you skating delicately between those two lines. I guess I'm curious if you say that, okay, so Epic won't win because they won't get what they want. But actually, if they chip away at Apple's ability to write and enforce the rules. Because right now, there is very little in the way of regulation governing what Apple can and can't do. Most of the rules that we're ever going to talk about App Store-wise are Apple's rules. They're not imposed externally. Mm -hmm. Do you not think that by undermining those foundations, Epic will win because even if they don't get what they're asking for today, what they do is undermine Apple's dominant position and they make themselves David's to Goliath. You know, despite they're not small, but their smaller position, they're able to have a disproportionate effect by engaging the regulators rather than just trying to win in the courts in their own right. I think that's fair, but I think it pushes Apple into changes that don't necessarily benefit Epic rather than kind of an outright win for Epic. And I think frankly the most likely scenario is that Apple will make changes to head off impose regulatory changes and Mm. particularly if you look at the US where the big tech companies are based, that there is sort of a bit of a move against heavy regulation. I think the EU is kind of the other way round. But they do tend to be it's very prescriptive in what they do. And that's, for me, where Epic will come in. The one kind of caveat around all of this is the EU has sometimes come up with some pretty interesting solutions. And I guess the way of solving this in one sense might be, and what has been very popular with the EU before, is opening up mandated access to third parties. And that could be a third party app store, which you, know, you see on Google and actually the kind of the non-Google Play Store downloads is a massive proportion of Android stuff. And you see it with the manufacturers doing their own app stores, multiple app stores in the China market. Could that happen in an Apple world because they were forced into it? I can't really see Apple giving in or being very begrudging or 
maybe only in some markets, would that crack things open for someone like Epic? Personally, I think it opens up the sandbox to a horrifying degree because we've seen what it's done on Android and that kind of moves away from what makes Apple special. But I can see that in the same way that we saw browser choice mandated on Windows. It seems so unlikely at the moment, but that may be the thing. And of course, Epic and Fortnite are big enough to actually get people to download a third-party app store or choose to use that rather than the app store to get it because they are such a big name. And there are very, very few apps that are kind of bigger than the Apple name or the app store. And I suspect Fortnite is quite close to being one of them. And for certain audience segments, there are others. You know, you might think about TikTok or look at any of the top 10 used apps, you know, Facebook, Instagram. Would people go an extra mile? Fortnite is particularly interesting because it's a young, engaged audience that would be kind of okay with jumping through a few more hoops. And so that's the one thing where I can maybe see something really interesting happening. Mm. I think there is some evidence that for a while, I think Epic did provide instructions on how to sideload exactly. Fortnite on Android, and I don't think it was as successful. I mean, I, I'm quoting other people's podcasts yeah. now, but no, exactly. I think that that was a, a failure. And as soon as it went on the Google Play Store, that was the overwhelming way to do it. Mm. I've always been curious as to why Apple can't break down the components of the App Store a bit more. So, for example, there is some recourse to independent arbitration so that they can demonstrate that the rules are fair because they're applied by somebody independent or why for example other payment providers let's say stripe you know couldn't become an accredited apple platform provider you know i understand the wild west argument but why couldn't we have those respectable businesses that we all use on a regular basis and are happy enough giving our credit card details to and happy enough trusting why can't they be mm. vetted and then brought onto the platform because I don't think it detracts from Apple's position particularly. And in some respects, it diffuses the situation. I think Apple are moving in that direction with the things like being able to change your default Maps app or your default email client. Right. I think they will argue that the App Store is such an important gateway to having security and privacy, which they say they are fighting for, for their users, that they mm. will mm. ultimately use that user-centric argument to try and push back on that opening up of something that fundamentally they would say compromises the sandbox. Now, whether that's true or not, and I agree with someone like Stripe, you could think of another provider, you know, here's a sort of radical notion, could Google provide an app store on Apple iOS because they, you know, they trusted you and elsewhere, and then everyone goes, ah, but Google Play is full of all the stuff that Euron was talking about earlier. Mm. So I think because Apple will hold this up as fundamentally a tenant of their security model and their kind of privacy first and user first, it's going to be difficult to make that argument. Rafe, you're closer to App Store development currently than I am, but I remember when I was leading a business that was doing App Store development, just arguing time and time again with Apple. We were distributing free educational content that had been funded by the US government. It was health-related stuff. And we'd submit the app and they'd say, you can't charge for it. I said, there's no billing mechanism in the app. Mm. Oh, yes, okay, but you're trying to subvert our subscription mechanism. Are people subscribing to this content outside the platform? well, first of all, that's permitted. And second of all, no, this is material that's been funded for the public good. Mm. This is a training course, for example, how to deal with dengue fever or how to avoid malaria and those kinds of sort of public health campaign type things. And it was really telling that time after time after time, we had these same conversations and they were always paranoid about were we trying to avoid paying our slice of the App Store tariff? And you know, to the point where they would ask the question when there was no payment step, in the app mm. at all. That always, I'm afraid, has always coloured my perception of 
what motivated <laughs> that, you know, Rafe. Credit to you. I think you attribute sort of neutral, <laughs> sort of no malice to them, whereas I, I'm a bit road weary from all of this. No, I, I think Apple absolutely <laughs> uh, push it. I think anyone who's been involved in an app submission has seen that behavior. Some of that, I think, is deliberate, but some of it is trying to apply a standardized set of rules when you're mm. getting tens of thousands of yeah. app submissions every day yes. is tricky, which is why you do see them sometimes row back. But I think they hold on to that gateway very, very tightly, which they're going to continue to see bad press. And there'll be the next Hay or WordPress or Epic. And I do think you're right in saying at some point that becomes such a level of pressure that, you know, either an outside influence or Apple themselves have to go, "Mm, we can't afford to have this anymore because it is generating bad publicity or it comes to the attention of regulatory authorities. And often in these cases, like companies see that kind of investigation happen and they then come to some agreement. That's what Microsoft did. I can see Apple doing the same thing. And what I was trying to suggest is there's a kind of nuanced view. And I think Epic, ironically, might be the thing that causes all of that to happen, but then doesn't end up benefiting. Uh Okay, so there you go, at Monkey and Weasel. You've got one question, three answers. Will Fortnite or Epic win against Apple and what will be the impact? Ewan says, no, Apple will win. I say, yes, they will chip away at Apple's base. And Rafe says, they won't win because they won't get (laughs) what they were aiming for, even if there is change. So you uh, pick and choose your answer. Be sure to go to 361podcast.com where you can leave a comment or uh, email us about this show and uh, let everyone know that I was right. Uh, well, no, no, no. Hashtag Ben wins. There we yes, go. Yeah, yes, you, no. Feel free. I mean, it's not a competition, but obviously I am the winner. So, you know, that's nice. I think I made some valid points as well. Very reasoned as well. And you were here too. Yes, I yeah, we, we remember. Okay. <laughs> so we're back to the normal format next week. We'll be just doing a conversational episode next week. Uh, we've got some interesting topics in my opinion. We've got some interesting topics lined up, but we've also got a bunch of questions coming as well. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, best way to do it probably is on Twitter at 361podcast.com. Let us know your question. We'll do it later on in the season. And uh, yeah, we'd love to answer your questions. We've got some cracking ones lined up though. Particularly, we've got some stuff around fitness. We've got some stuff around, is it worth uh, spending money on 5G? We've got loads of really interesting ones and they can be anything from Big topics like Apple versus Epic to what phone should I buy down to is this good value for money or what do you like or what's the best tool to do X? If it's a question, we're prepared to answer it. But as long as it's roughly within our area of skill, you know, except for you and who's made a career out of answering questions. Thank you. So, you know. thank you. Just don't finish that one. Okay, gentlemen, we should wrap there. We've gone a little bit long, but thank you very much for your time and opinions. No, thank you. I enjoyed the new format. I hope listeners did as well. Well, you know, it's fun to try something new. We'll give it a crack for a little while. Exactly. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to 361podcast.com slash support where you can sign up to support the cost of production with Patreon. Obviously, this episode, all the Patreon subscriber donations are going to St. Joe's Children's Hospital in support of Children's Cancer Awareness Month. Thank you to everyone who supports us. I'm very grateful if you would sign up to support us there. Mm. Uh, Feel free to leave us a review. Oh, I forgot reviews. Because we get an email every time you do. I have built a special robot that sends us all an email when we get a new review now. Have you got to do it on iTunes? If you leave a review on iTunes, any iTunes store internationally around the world, leave us a review. Look how dependent we all are on that Apple company. Carry on. Any app store. Leave us a review and you can test my new software in live by testing our new review feedback mechanism. I'm still reeling after that one four years ago. That I think was it pompous and opinionated. I think that's my favourite. Uh, <laughs> 
But the rest of them are all really positive. <laughs> so uh, leave us a review. And if you're going to be critical, be funny and critical. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Gentlemen, yes. we will speak to you next week. Thank you. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did I, uh, did I tell you oh, I've God, opened no. the fish Dad gene? Dad jokes right at the beginning. Haven't even started yet. Oh, spare me. On. Did I tell you I opened a fish gym? Uh, no. It's all hunky-dory so far. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for that. There you go. Thanks for that. Oh, just stop carping on about it. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's I did good. that joke on porpoise. Yeah. Porpoises aren't a fish. What do you call a man 10 miles away? Distant. Fargo. Anything you like, he can't hear you. Uh, yes, yeah. Have you put your towel down, Blanford? I have put my towel down. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. <laughs> you should explain. Um, yes. So, Rafe Blanford, Mark has notes for you. He says, um, it pains me to say this, Ewan's audio was, I quote, perfect. But, I mean, S- you know. Sorry, Mark! sorry. Can, can we just... No. Can we just... No, we can't. Can we Mark, just... No. <laughs> go, go, go to, like, the, op- the opticians, the hearing specialist. <laughs> the hearing opticians. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't Please matter. do not give you in that kind of feedback. If, just lie. If Mark goes to a hearing specialist... He will hear in even greater clarity the buttery smooth McLeod and then the <laughs> modem oh, Blamford. Yeah. <laughs> well, I quote, i sorry, what was it? What was it? Absolutely perfect? What was it? I think never has the word perfect been more abused. <laughs> Ralph Blamford has now lined his cell with some soft lining to uh, pad the microphone and I was too loud, so I've been turned down and, and you and I quote was perfect. Thank you, Mark. Love you long time, Mark. Mark git. <laughs> Don't like you anymore, Mark. Sorry. How long have we been doing this? And And how long has your audio people, been bad? Like we've finally got you into the place where I feel like he wasn't, you know far enough away. <laughs> yeah, well, A a long way away, which was nice for many reasons. But also where he didn't <laughs> think he was and Pardon? Now he's gonna think he's the bee's knees. Yes. Ralph Blanford's stopped mustering and is now turning his lights on. Ralph Blanford? Yep. Did you just stand up and use your finger to press a button on the wall yes. like a Philistine to turn yes. your lights on? Yes, because I've got to fix it. I may have inadvertently broken it when I was trying to upgrade smart things. <sighs> I know. I thought you lived in the future. Mm. Alexa, tell Ben where to go. <laughs> Look, could you just stand up for a minute, please, Ralph? Just want to see what you're wearing on your bottoms. Okay, I'm just checking, right? Because I'm just wondering if he was wearing the same outfit as he is in my screenshot, which I've got on the background. No, I didn't get the memo about the dress code. I like you're both wearing dark blue t-shirts. Yes, that's a deal, right? Um, and you should be doing too. Come on. To be honest, I'm resenting wearing trousers now that autumn has started to set in in, in the UK. So let alone going back into a suit. I think I could just throw all my other clothes out and just wear t-shirts and shorts for the rest of the year. It's great. Did I tell you that a guy came up to me in the pub and offered me eight legs of venison for 200 quid? Something about a horse. I said, no, it's too dear. Yeah, that's yeah I was going to say, that's so. definitely a too dear joke. Uh, hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile and the world around it. Is it mobile tech? Yeah. Yes. Mobile tech. See, you got that wrong there, Reef. Technology. Technology and the world around it. What do you call a man with no shins? No shins. Shinless. Tony. <sighs> um, I'm Ian McLeod. Uh, Did I tell you I spent my last paycheck on a pottery wheel? Yeah, it's just going on. Um, something but about throwing what? pots. Acoustics. I can take it off in the edit. My wife threw a wobbly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just do another one. Uh, hello and welcome to 361. Yeah, yeah. This is season 19, episode two. And this week.
Did I tell you I got fired from my job making space station airlocks? But I find when one door closes, another door opens. Oh. Okay. I didn't think my new orthopedic shoes would help me, but I stand here corrected. <laughs> ben, is it because you're working again, you've got access to crap jokes again? Oh, yeah, look, let's just say I found a new dealer. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, then I'm going to go and have my tea. Yeah, it's uh, midnight here, so oh, I'm right. not going to do that. Okay. Did I tell you I can't eat Norton Crosses? Um, because you like three in a row. I'm tic tac toes intolerant. <laughs> oh, f- f- Meanwhile, at the 361 Multimedia Suite, located 30 feet beneath the Blandford Estate. Oh, good, I found you. Uh, sorry, I keep getting lost in all these tunnels. Yeah, I think it took me the first three years before I knew my way yeah, around yeah. it. Um, someone's trying to call you from upstairs. Right. I think it's really important. Okay, thanks. It's unusual to get upstairs ringing me. Wonder what it's about. Oh, they'll have noticed the buttery smoothness of McLeod as well. I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall of the conversation. I need your help with some work. What? Uh, well, look, it's complicated. There's pigeons. There's a plan for the state. <laughs> I need you to read this script. Don't ask me any questions. What do your parents think of this, by the way? Did they listen to it? So, A, I'm a little bit concerned that we've done something to Mark because, like, I just feel like he's been corrupted or something from, like, this really nice human being mm. who is now increasingly inventive in coming up with things that make me laugh more and more. <laughs> I did play back the end of the last season with the dripping cave to my parents who <laughs> pissed themselves laughing. <laughs> And then immediately followed up by, in all dead seriousness, my dad turned to my mum and said, I thought we agreed that we weren't telling him about the secret lair under the house until he's 40. <laughs> <sighs> but they loved it and they, they really love Ben. Of course. And they think Ewan is lovely too. Oh, that's very nice. In which case, that's massively devalued my loveliness, hasn't it? <laughs> well, they said, do people still find the estate thing funny? It's like, Yes. <laughs> I think we're at that point now where the joke just gets funnier through repetition. Like, you've really actually got to work the joke now, you know? So the more it's repeated, the funnier it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello? Ah, oh, Mr. Blanford Senior. Always oh, lovely to speak... Right? The Duck House what? Yes, thanks. Uh, uh, goodbye. I thought when they gave me the decoding book, it was just overkill, but okay. Right. Um, D. Telling milk, dormer windows, trains. Ah, Duck House. Duck House needs repainting for winter, means. Oh, hell. Rafe knows. Attention, attention. We're immediately implementing Operation Telegraph Pole. This is not a test. (laughs) 